0: Welcome to the Everything Podcast, the place for everything education. Whether you're a first-year teacher or a seasoned educator, our mission is to help you employ smart strategies in and out of the classroom. We firmly believe
1: that teacher burnout isn't inevitable. Part inspiration and part implementation, we discuss the why and how to make your classroom effective and sustainable. We're your hosts, Danielle and Nicole. You're listening to the Everything Podcast, podcast episode 30. Hey everyone, Nicole here. Just wanted to jump on and let you know that you won't be hearing from me and Danielle next week. We are going to be taking full advantage of our spring break, but that doesn't mean that we don't have an awesome guest for you the following week. We are so thrilled to welcome Nikki Dingrado, our friend, teacherpreneur, just awesome podcast guest altogether. You may recognize her from the Sprinkle Topped Teacher. And man, does she have an awesome episode for you all coming up quite soon. But let's jump into today's episode. Danielle and I are just really lit up about this topic, and we really hope that you enjoy our conversation about what it's like to be a mentor and a mentee in a school setting. Let's get started. Hey, Nicole, how are you? I'm so great. We have some exciting things to chat about today. And with that, what has your experience been having a mentor or being a mentee in a school setting?
0: For me, when I was a first year at the school that I'm at, I was given a mentor. They, like, assigned me one when I first got there, and I really uh, liked her and her personality, and we were about the same age, and we had about the same amount of teaching experience, and what was kind of unusual about the situation was that it was her first time having a large group of ESL students, and it was not my first time having a large group of ESL students. So it ended up being more of a peer mentorship kind of thing where I was sharing some of my background uh, expertise with working with that particular population, and she could shed some light on working at the school in particular. So I think that was a little bit of an unusual situation. Yeah, although I feel like that happens probably more often than you might
1: think when a for example, a a fresh grad comes into a school setting and then Mm -hmm. they have an assigned mentor, I imagine that they're bringing a lot of new technology, new ideas, fresh perspective that, you know, if the mentor is open to it, maybe they'd be willing to take that on and have more of a working relationship. I was happy to say that was sort of my experience, especially in this student teaching experience that I had Mm -hmm. with my uh, lead teacher. I was able to bring in a lot of ideas that Um, I had been learning in class and was, you know, trying out with this group of high schoolers. And I was definitely nervous to try it and nervous to sort of like bring that to her attention because she was very old school, but she was very receptive and and willing to take it on and sort of use the classes as little guinea pigs in certain situations. So it ended up working out pretty well, but I totally hear you. I feel like sometimes the relationship kind of shifts
0: as you get Mm -hmm. to know each other and the needs of your kids. And There are really kind of two types of mentor-mentee relationships you can encounter at a school, right? You have those who are actually, like, assigned to be your mentor-mentee, and then there are those that kind of become your mentor or mentee. Not always planned, just the way either lunch periods work out, who has the classroom next door to you, who you just kind of connect with, things like that. So true. I feel like often
1: you hear the sort of... uh colloquial saying like your your work mom or your right. work wife or whatever mm-hmm. whatever the the saying is which I think sort of encompasses a lot of those same qualities where someone who you're going you know going to for questions and advice or even another
0: perspective. So I, I hear that for sure. I do think that one of the biggest differences between those two types of mentor mentee relationships is knowing what the kind of like expectation is for both of them. Because if it is a formal situation that your school has set you up with, it might be that your mentor is required to kind of like not only check in on you, but kind of go up the chain of command about how you might be doing in these particular situations. Whereas if it's a less formal situation, it might be a good resource to use that person, especially if it's a question that you don't necessarily want going up the chain of command. If you have done something and you're like, I, I only found out that I was supposed to be posting homework in the online uh, learning management system I've been supposed I've supposed to have been doing that for three weeks it hasn't happened and now I'm kind of worried about it maybe seeking out that less formal relationship might be a better option yeah and for sure it's not even necessarily something that is like serious right but it feels really stressful and really serious especially because you're new 100%
1: <laughs> and for the mentees in this relationship there's no. certain things that we think are just important pieces of the relationship that sort of go hand in hand with how to just be a good mentee, but also maybe just being a, um, you know, a nice part of the um, co-working relationship. I think that having like the title of mentee can a lot of, has a lot of connotations, but just being um, understanding that you're also bringing a lot to the table with that. We had an episode recently all about, Things that we wouldn't do now that we may have done as new teachers. And Mm -hmm. when we're talking about just being new to a school, new to a school setting, whatever the situation is, you often feel you don't really have things to bring to the table. I don't have value to add. But there's so much there that you as a new person to a school setting really can offer. So with that, we have three major bullet points here. And uh, the first up is knowing who to ask. I think it's important that in a school setting where you might be assigned a mentee, you are understanding of who that person is and how exactly your relationship might play out. I think so often when people started a new school setting, um, you know, that school will say, here's your assigned mentee. And from there, the relationship is on paper and you're sort of, you know, understanding what the rules and regulations are. And other times that might be a little bit more lax. So I think in having that like understanding from the start can be really, really helpful.
0: And making sure that you're not skipping over the right person to ask. I feel like I know at the school that I work at, we have department chairs, for example, that are above the you know, regular teaching staff and some new teachers will go directly to that person instead of to their assigned mentee. Or maybe sometimes they even skip the step of going to the department chair and they'll ask somebody like a dean or a vice principal. And again, making sure that you're asking the appropriate person is a really important first step in determining what your move should be.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Also asking for specific help. I think that sometimes people will go into the situation like, oh, you know, I'm not sure how to set up, I don't know, my classroom management style, or or, I'm not sure how to set up my classroom rules or or things that are pretty, like, it's a heavy question. (laughs) There's just a lot Mm -hmm. there. And I think sometimes with a loaded question like that, you might think, well, I may as well go to the person who makes the rules for that, or I may as well go to, like, the enforcer or the uh, administrator in in charge of things like this, but asking for help with specific tasks that you may have, you'll understand when you start to get further into the school system and start to understand the different um, leadership roles people have, that there are people who are more or less responsible for different tasks. So in trying to understand how to tackle something like classroom management or the way in which to set up your expectations or rules, it may not make sense to go to the person that might be disciplining your kids because that may not be that the right kind of relationship you want to start with. Right. Having a specific question and getting help with a particular part of that in finding someone who's maybe a little bit lower on that chain
0: might be a good place to start. Right. And, a lot of first-year teachers, were, whether it's their very first teaching job or it's just their first year at a new school, you just feel overwhelmed by a lot of things. But the more you can articulate your needs, the easier it will be to actually get the help that you need. Yeah. And I
1: think our third point here is all about timing, finding the mm-hmm. right time to ask certain questions. And I think so much of what we discuss on our podcast is about how to just properly manage time and just getting prepared with the questions that you might have, planning out certain things. And I think Mm -hmm. that when you think about finding the right time to ask, especially if you're in like a panicked state trying, you know, you realize you haven't posted that homework or there's something that's Mm -hmm. dawned on you, you need to figure out and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, who do I contact at 930 on Sunday night? And I think that that's maybe not always going to be the the exact uh, kind of response you might be looking for so trying to maybe set aside time where you can work with like we mentioned maybe your official mentor that would allow you to have more of that um, structure in place where you could sort of anticipate, okay, I know I'm going to set aside some time to ask as many questions as I might have. I know these deadlines are coming up and just Mm -hmm. having that as sort of like on the calendar could really ease that stress as well. I think so often we're sort of like, well, when something comes up, I'll just reach out to you. And that just adds so much more pressure for you as the mentee and then for the person receiving that question.
0: Mm -hmm. And Maybe it is a really easy question to answer. It's got like a simple answer. It's just you don't know what it is. That's fine. But other times it might be something that's a little bit more involved. If I think a really good idea for those who are in that mentee position is to have a running list of questions that you want to ask that person. So that way you can go with the exact kind of information that you need feedback on present it to them and present it to them in the way that they like to be communicated with in addition yeah. to like a good time if you know that the person who is your mentor is probably not the person who's checking their email 7 times a day maybe don't write up all of the questions in an email because right. now you're you're making the ask a whole lot bigger yeah maybe yeah that's the kind of person who you stop by their classroom before homeroom or right after school and you have your organized list so that way you can just check off each of the boxes, you can take notes on it. And now it's a five minute discussion instead of that person getting an email that they look at and they're like, this is gonna take me 35 minutes to respond to. So true, yeah. So we have our mentee
1: relationship all sorted out and now it's time for the mentors. What's expected? How do we set those expectations from the start? And Mm -hmm. what do we really need to provide our mentees to make sure that it's the best relationship possible? Have you been a mentor before? I have, yes. I was a mentor last year to a new teacher who actually wasn't a new teacher. Um, She had some teaching experience, um, but I was able to take on just some small tasks day-to-day, checking in, and I sort of made it my mission to figure out the things that I I wish that I knew starting Mm -hmm. at the school. I didn't feel that were typically necessarily related to teaching for the first time, but it was yeah. more of like the ins and outs of working in that particular school setting. Mm-hmm. You know, in any school, in any job change, there are just so many just very particular things that if you haven't worked there before, you just won't yes. know. And so right. I tried my best to make sure that I was really cognizant of the things that it took took me a while to figure out as a new teacher and trying to make sure that I had that all sorted out so that I could really go through all of those steps. You know, there are certain deadlines on the calendar as well. You know, there's certain reports are going out or they're going to be parent-teacher conferences and things mm-hmm. that you just expect and can anticipate are going to probably um, just cause some questions and maybe even some uh, more nervous text messages or things right. like that. So just having that sort of um, anticipation uh, and understanding how the calendar works and trying <laughs> to sit down with that mentee to make sure that they, you can sort of anticipate what they might ask before they ask it.
0: So that was the way that I saw that relationship. And I think it worked well. Was that person in the same discipline as you or a different discipline?
1: Yes, they were in the same discipline, which made it a lot better, actually. And like I said in the start of the episode, we were able to sort of bounce ideas off of each other. And I mm-hmm. was really receptive to what she had to offer and vice versa and it ended up being more of like a coworker kind of relationship versus Mm -hmm. mentor mentee. And I think that happens so regularly. And I just want to encourage those who are new to their profession to just really try and see that relationship that way, if you can.
0: And I know I've been a mentor at the school for the last two years with two different first year teachers that I've been working with. And in both situations, it's been somebody who's been outside of my department That Mm -hmm. they've paired me up with and I try to encourage that mentee to find somebody within their department too yes because while I am certainly a good resource and want to help them out as much as possible there are things that are particular to their department that I just I don't know I don't know who the person in their department is that always has the I don't know um the like most interesting way of engaging with the curriculum for computer science, for example. I, I'm so detached from that world that I wouldn't know who to point them to. So I do think that knowing what your mentor strength is is really important too. Um, oh for for the mentees. Probably shouldn't mention that before. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, as a mentor, um I think that one of the things that we kind of keep going back to, we said that the mentee should seek out the mentor when they know that they need to find out particular information. But really, the mentor should kind of take the reins and make sure that they're regularly seeking out the mentee, maybe even schedule some regular check-ins. Oh, for sure. I agree with that. I think,
1: especially if you just don't know the person very well, for you to just go and knock, knock, knock on their door, Mm-hmm. whatever kind of works, it's just kind of anxiety inducing for both people. I don't think that that really works very well. So in having a regularly scheduled check-in, it just sort of re- reduces that stress. And you know, you know, I won't have to give up my 25 minutes of my lunch period, you know, every so often because this person decides to come and see me. Instead, I know I'll see, see them Thursday afternoons. That's how the schedule yep. works. All of that. It's just nice to be able to anticipate that. And with that kind of anticipation, anticipating their needs, I've alluded to that before. And It goes along with just being prepared with the calendar, understanding what deadlines are coming up, things that you probably have even experienced a little bit of anxiety about, even just last year, whatever Mm -hmm. your teaching experience may be. Just knowing the things that cause that extra level of uh, care and just time. So anticipating what this mentee may be in need of is really helpful. And Danielle and I, you know, we're both a big fan of LISP. So we're all about just putting those together in a list. You know, here's a checklist of what you need to do before you send a report card. Here are the things you need to know before this. And I'm a big fan of that. And I think just having that little checklist just to kind of glance at, especially during those really kind of uh, stressful times of the year can be really helpful for a mentee.
0: I know that one of the things when I check in on my mentees, sometimes they don't know what question they need to ask. At a particular time. Because you're new. You, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Sometimes. Yep. And I think really reflecting back. It kind of reminds me of the episode that we did with Allie. She talked about documenting your experience as a first year teacher. And yep. how she's continued to do that. Even though she's no longer a first year teacher. And that it really helped her kind of think about the growth that she's experienced. Yep. I think that if you are... Taking that advice to heart, that would make you an excellent mentor to have because you will, instead of kind of having to come up with the things that you wish you had known at the time, you have a record of it. You're like, oh, if I had known this, that would have made all of the difference when I had my first um, back to school night or when we had um, it. I think that sometimes it's not even those big events. I think it's often the events that are like really particular to your school. Yeah. Like what is that activity in the spring that all the kids go to yep. that the teachers judge a contest for, yeah. or <laughs> put on a skit or it, just whatever it is. Yeah. And it's one of those things that everybody knows except the one new person.
1: Yeah. So what you said before, it really reminded me, you know, when you actually do have that sit down with your mentee and they come to you and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, what questions do you have? And yeah, they might just not have any questions. It almost reminds yes. me of when a kid comes for extra help and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, what do right. I to do? And, you know, they're like, uh, you tell me. Everything. So, right. Right. Or everything. Exactly. <laughs> so I think in having um, a set, maybe a couple of bullets you want to go through or maybe mm-hmm. even a set sort of objective. I think that can also just really help to drive the conversation in a more effective way because I think sometimes people get really caught up in being like, well, all right, I'll check in with you soon. Like no questions. And Mm -hmm. that can also just, you know, it's not helping anybody. No one's getting anything out of that relationship. So in having that kind of objective, like you said, or even that reflection piece where you as the mentor, like, hey, this is what I learned or things that I documented that I want to share with you, Mm -hmm. that just makes the relationship so, so much stronger.
0: Cause you definitely don't I think having that regularly scheduled meeting is such a great idea because it's one of those things that if you don't have it like on your calendar, it's so easy to like push it off, especially if you didn't have anything written down yep. and the menu comes in and they didn't have any specific questions either. And you're right. like, Why why are we even doing this? We're just kind of going through the motions. Yeah. I think having tips that you can share without needing to be asked for them mm-hmm. is the the right way to play it yeah because as the mentor you want to make sure that the mentee is probably going to be at least a little bit uncomfortable so you're going out of your way to kind of go uh, above and beyond i know um for example i wrote down a list of like several different kind of like tricks for using the uh online gradebook that we have because we had a professional development the year before where the company actually came in and took us through this, these tutorials. And I had learned not a ton of different things, but a solid like three or four things that I wouldn't have known otherwise. And it made my life so much easier. So I went in and I made sure that mentee knew all of those things too. Oh,
1: for sure. And if we reflect back on the different kinds of relationships, if mm-hmm. you do have that state mandated Um, mentor-mentee situation Mm -hmm. going on, usually there's a lot of uh, checklists that you need to go through. And I know just from talking to other people at my school, so often it's like, yeah, yeah, check it off, check it off. You know, we did that. We did that. And I think that it really is meant to drive true, meaningful conversation and just trying your best to take advantage of that. And, you know, at the end of the month or whatever semester, both parties have to sign off that they in fact met and met all these goals mm-hmm. and things like that. So just really trying to be honest with that and really try and value that relationship because you're there to help that person, whether or not they are truly a first year teacher, they're mm-hmm. new to
0: your school setting and yeah. just trying your best to give them as much value as you can. That perfectly ties into the very next one, which is one thing that I think mentors don't do enough, which is share what it was like when you were new I feel like sometimes because you are the mentor and you're the teacher in the classroom and everything else, you're so used to being in a position of authority that you're not always sharing the most like vulnerable aspects of your experience. And I think that that can be really inspiring for the mentee. Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah. And that also goes back to, like you mentioned with Aliana's episode, documenting what it was that you were successful or unsuccessful at and just being really honest with that. And I think Along with sharing what it was like for you to be new, it's also having that same kind of uh, reciprocity where you're like, "Hey, I was new. I brought all these things to the table. You likely just came out of it a different school setting or a teaching training program. You mm-hmm. have these great new, I- probably great new ideas to offer. What can you share?" And just having that sort of that nice dialogue, I think, is really great because it doesn't have to be all, you know, down to business. You really want to form this yeah. relationship where the person feels. They can, they can share with you and that you're their support system.
0: When we talked about the seven things I did as a new teacher that I wouldn't do now, this might be the one and only contact that your mentee is developing in the yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So talking to them like they are a person and not just your mentee, I think <laughs> goes a long way. Oh yeah, absolutely. And along with that,
1: encouraging encouraging this person this -hmm. person to continue reflecting and moving forward it's tough to be a new teacher at a new school and like we've described there are a lot of different situations that teachers come into being in a new school setting, whether or not they've had other experiences, maybe they've moved from a different job entirely. There's just Mm -hmm. so much there and there's a really big learning curve. So you as the mentor have this huge responsibility, all of these great resources, tips, adjustments, different things, and then also being there, the champion for them, helping them Mm -hmm. move them forward. And even if doubt hasn't been expressed directly to you from that mentee, it is your job to just really pinpoint where they may be feeling that sense of really any kind of discomfort, and just encouraging them to keep pushing forward. It's there's a lot of a lot of uh, different emotions that go along with being a first year, second year, third year teacher, and yeah. we know what it's like. We we've seen it. The statistics about how the longevity of being a teacher, and we just want to push that that point home even further encouragement goes a very long way
0: yeah even if your mentee is smiling and telling you that everything is just wonderful I would say still go out of your way to make sure that those encouraging words are there and that the the doubt that might be directly under the surface that they might not feel comfortable enough um, admitting to you that they are feeling is addressed yeah
1: And that goes back to our previous point, right? Sharing what it was that was tough for you or what Mm -hmm. you were new at. I think we'll just open up that conversation even more. Man, Danielle, there's so much here. I feel like we could just keep talking about this.
0: (laughs) I think it's one of those things that it's kind of like an expectation that you will have a mentor or a mentee at some point. I think that there is also a really big difference between being a mentor mentee and being a good mentor. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I really hope that we are taking these kind of points to heart and making sure that we're putting forth the right effort and the right energy, no matter which side of the relationship you're on. You hit the nail on the head. Thanks, Danielle. <laughs> All right. So
1: I think that's it. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> Always such a pleasure, Danielle. Talk to you soon. Bye.
0: If you'd like to learn more about us and the services that we offer, head to everything.com.